it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. What a week it's been. Midterm week. We still don't have the results. I can't tell you for sure who's in control of the House or the Senate, but I'm going to drill down on it today and talk about what it means. Also, pretty cool. Fresh off an interview with uh, Sylvester Stallone on Fox and Friends. He's now being mobbed downstairs, but he's got Tulsa King. And think about this, uh, Allison. We're going to Tulsa Sunday, right? The KRMG listeners all know this. So before... Before we go, I, I go on stage and we do our whole production and talk about all American history and everything like that and have a great time. They are debuting Tulsa King to the P, to the Tulsa, the people of Tulsa, to citizens where everyone wants to come. So as Tulsa King rolls out on Paramount Plus Sunday, and then we come on. So is will Sylvester Stallone be there on Sunday? He will not. Okay, but he taped a message Ooh. for the people of Tulsa. Nice. So that's pretty nice. Uh, just a great guy. And Jennifer Flavin's there, who is his wife. Uh, so they're, uh, and they're doing a reality show, I think, is coming out, which is interesting. Uh, Mark Thiessen's coming up shortly, and uh, Mike Huckabee at the bottom of the hour. So much to uncover, so much to unwrap. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. The American people overwhelmingly overwhelmingly support our agenda. (laughs) What now? Biden says nothing will change over the next two years. Yet from the border to crime to inflation... It's a problem. Only 25% of the country thinks we're heading in the right direction. Other presidents have changed course in the midterms. They were really good presidents. Do you really expect him not to change? Scary enough? I don't think he will. Number two. Well, I can tell you that there absolutely will be a challenge to Kevin McCarthy's leadership bid when we have our organizational meetings next week. And the intent on, on November 15, when that's scheduled to be, will be to demonstrate that he doesn't have near 218 votes. I don't know. Uh, I think he's earned the speakership. But speaking of, a threat emerges to Kevin McCarthy's leadership in the House. And Trump is already throwing barbs at a potential 2024 contender. We'll bring you the latest. Number one. My staff has been working very diligently. We've been here from early in the morning until late at night. We've been fully staffed. We're working as hard as we possibly can in order to get the ballots counted. Not Not excusable. Joe Gloria out in... Nevada, so much is at stake in these two states, Nevada and Arizona. We're still collecting and counting ballots. The balance of power in the Senate is at stake. The direction of our country is in the balance. Meanwhile, both sides prep for a December 6th runoff in Georgia. We will look at the game plan for Warnock and Walker. Look, there were problems with the Georgia election. They straightened it out. Huge problems with Florida election. They straightened it out. In New York, it ran like a top. Arkansas, I can go down. Most states got it. But they knew Arizona in particular was 
well, in particular, was going to be a challenge. They did nothing. And that's with Governor Ducey, a Republican there. And if they wouldn't cooperate with him, he should have won public with his concerns. Mark Thiessen, welcome back. Good to be with you. Mark, I'm just outraged by this. I'm, I, I'm not necessarily uh, upset at the spokespeople, but the 300 drop boxes in Nevada, they haven't even collected them all. 650,000 ballots in Arizona, they haven't counted them all. And they don't have, if you don't have enough workers, let's hear about it before. And the fact is they can't even guarantee us by today. They say maybe next week. Yeah, it's a disgrace. And, and look, they, look, at, look at Florida. Florida, Florida had it all of its votes counted, and the results in uh, you know early on, early on election night. The the fact that we've got these problems, uh, especially after all the controversy over 2020, is just absolutely a disgrace. So right now, uh, you have Adam Laxall with a smaller lead uh, in Nevada, and you have Masters trailing Kelly by about three percentage points, maybe four, but the bulk of Maricopa County is not counted, and the day of voting. So, for example, if Mark Thiessen wanted to vote in Arizona, you could walk in with your envelope and you could drop it off. I don't know what the point is. So those are likely, day of voters are usually Republican. So what do you make of this? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a, you know, Nevada is always close. you got the Harry Reid machine there. Uh, that still exists. Uh, it's uh, you know you got the culinary union, which uh, is uh, part of that operation. Who who, who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, but this is uh, you know this is uh, it, it, it's just a disgrace that we don't know the answer to this. And all of this matters so much because if you know if depending on how those uh, elections come out, it could all come down to Georgia again. <laughs> and, we, and you know people, and it really affects uh, Walker's uh, ability to fight. Because I think there's going to be a lot more attention, a lot more money paid if the Senate's on the line uh, in in Georgia uh, versus if it's just, uh, you know, padding the minority. So we've we've just got to know so we can move on and and uh, and focus on Georgia. All right. So first up, before we move on, here's Nevada's uh, county, uh, Clark County, Nevada registrar, Joe Gloria, cut five. My staff has been working very diligently. We've been here from early in the morning until late at night. We've been fully staffed. We're working as hard as we possibly can in order to get the ballots counted. But whether we like it or not, there's no way that we can move any faster than we're currently moving. We still have over 50,000 ballots that need to be counted. Those are in various stages in the process of validation before they go to the counting board and finally, ultimately, they get to tabulation where we're able to read them into the system. You also can cure ballots there. Oh, I forgot to put my name. I forgot to sign my form. I forgot to date it. No problem. Hey, uh, can you put Billy on the line? This is the registrar. He didn't get yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, I'll hold. Oh, because, yeah, it's the registrar. When he has a chance, could he come down to my office and date it? So that's what we're actually doing now. Are you kidding? So here's the irony. It's like that the Democrats spent all this time attacking Republican and the Republican state officials who passed election integrity laws. To clean up because basically what happened in 2020 is it was a mess because of COVID, right? And so people just, you know, were flying by the seat of their pants and trying to figure all this stuff out. And then the Republicans came in in Georgia and other states and Florida and Texas, and they decided, okay, let's take a look at this and figure out how we're going to do this properly, so we're not so so we can we can have a a a, a clean election, uh, but but an orderly process and. In those states where the Republican, you know, the Democrats called that Jim Crow 2.0 and voter suppression and all the rest of it, 
those are the states where we got the answers from, right? Those are the states that had an orderly process, and who uh, that it's the states that didn't do that that uh, that that we're having problems with now. So you know, the, everybody who ran around saying Jim Crow 2.0, number one, record turnout in Georgia. Uh, you know, you know where where do uh, the black uh, black owned minority businesses in Atlanta get their revenues back from losing the uh, the Major League Baseball? But they're the ones who had a clean a clean and an orderly election. So, you know, Republicans were right to go to these election integrity dogs because it was not just about election integrity. It's about election efficiency, right? And, exactly. and the states that didn't do that are the ones we're having problems with today. So, you know, I think the Democrats owe uh, Republicans a lot of apologies. Well, I don't uh, know. what Duce, I, I would like to talk to Governor Ducey. I, I, I've not seen him anywhere. What was he thinking? I mean, how is this acceptable? And if you couldn't move your legislature or your secretary of state, who is the opponent of Carrie Lake, unbelievably, that's allowed so the Secretary of State presiding over the election, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so here, I just want you to fast forward to Georgia and get your take. Warnock, clearly we got his game plan. Stop backing off. Go after Herschel personally. Cut six. And we've seen that Herschel Walker has a disturbing history, a pattern of violence against women, against his own family, and he, takes, and he refuses to take responsibility for that, and he refuses to even answer questions. And so the question right now is this. Is that who we want? No. Representing Georgia. So Warnock knows if you go there, game on. Because this guy's record is not going to hold up well under examination. Your thoughts of that strategy? Uh, that's, pr- that's probably true. And also, I mean, Herschel Walker wrote a book about it. Right? Yeah, I mean, 2007. He, 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 he said, uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a, my pastor has a phrase. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's he's uh, changed his life and he's, he doesn't hide from his mistakes uh, and the th- and the things he did in his past. In fact, he embraces them and says, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a sinner uh, and I'm a, I'm I'm a, you know, so I, ju- I just don't think that that line of attack is going to be effective, uh, going to be effective for Warnock. But, you know, I, what we need to uh, honestly, you know, what we need to remember is that, you know, Thank God for Mitch McConnell, because Mitch McConnell came in to that state and spent something like $35 million of his, in his super PAC to put Herschel Walker uh, into that uh, into that uh, into that runoff. And now uh, McConnell has worked with Kemp and he's subsuming Kemp's entire ground game into the Senate leadership fund. And they're going to be running the ground game for Herschel Walker. So, I mean, there's an irony here, which is that the guy that Trump wanted to get rid of, uh, Brian Kemp, is now uh, working with Mitch McConnell, the other guy Trump hates, to save Herschel Walker's campaign. Uh, so if, if Walker makes it over the top, it's going to be because of that. And honestly, Brian, I think I, w- I would love to see President Trump come in and stop attacking Ron DeSantis and start helping Herschel Walker. To go in. He's, he's sitting on $100 million that he's raised with, it, with his, with it, with his uh, uh, Save America uh, operation. Throw thirty million dollars into the into the kitty to help uh, to help Herschel Walker over the top, and then claim victory and say you saved the Senate majority. That's what he should be focusing on right now, uh, not on uh, not on twenty twenty four. I agree. Now, uh, Joe Biden says I'll help. They say no thanks. Who would? Uh, <laughs> and, and but right now, DeSantis and Kemp can't help. And here's some other good news. And look out if you're uh, Warnock, the. Uh, Governor Kemp and Governor and Mitch McConnell have spoken, and Governor Kemp says, I'm all in. You can have my analytics. You can have my door-knocking campaign, all the, the breakdown of my lists. I'm going to help you win. And he was not asked by Herschel Walker to help out early. Don't know about the wisdom of that, but he had his, yep. own, he had his own race to run. 
So now that he can help, talk, Mark, about what could change about Herschel Walker's team. I mean, he's going to have a – Kemp obviously had a spectacular political operation in, in the state, right? So, you know, the, the, having that at Herschel Walker's disposal – now, of course, that is all – you know, untouchable. They can't coordinate with Walker, right? Because it's a, it's a it's a super PAC that's doing this. So Senate Leadership Fund can't coordinate with Herschel Walker's campaign. But they're going to get the get. They're going to have his entire get out the vote operation, his door knocking operation, everything that worked to put Kemp over the top and and have one of the great bright spots of uh, of, the, of the election is going to be at Herschel Walker's uh, disposal. But the key is we got it. We got to you know people Georgia. We got it. We got to convince the roughly two hundred thousand. Voter, Republican voters who voted for Brian Kemp to also vote for who didn't vote for Herschel Walker on Tuesday to change their minds and vote for and, and vote for Herschel Walker. Um, and the reality is that if for, they need to understand the Senate is on the line, the Biden agenda is on the line, the ability to block all this spending is on the line, um, and they need to. They, we need to work. The target is the 200,000 Georgia voters who did not vote for Herschel Walker the first time. But voted for Brian Kemp. We got to get those people over in Herschel. So here's Bob Good of Virginia going after McCarthy. It doesn't look like McCarthy's going to have an easy road to the speakership. Cut 14. He didn't support our efforts to vacate the chair when Nancy Pelosi was at her weakest moments. He didn't support our efforts to, to reco- request recorded votes. Uh, he didn't reque- support our efforts to fight suspension bills. Uh, he has not uh, f- 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 supported our efforts to fight against the NDAA when we had the leverage to block it as Republicans because Democrats couldn't pass it, a bad NDAA bill without Republican votes. Uh, on issue after issue and time after time, he has failed to support our efforts to fight, truly fight against the oppressive Democrat majority. So he says that he's not going to have an easy time. Your thoughts? You know, I think it's hard to blame Kevin McCarthy in the House. So I'm, I'm, I, I spent eight years working in the Senate. In the Senate, as we saw with uh, with uh, uh, with uh, Mansion and Cinema, one or two senators can block everything. Right? That's not the case in the House. The majority rules. You know, and 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 there's not a lot that Kevin McCarthy could do to block Nancy Pelosi's agenda. He could have maybe postured more <laughs> message better but you know I, I don't think it's fair to blame Kevin McCarthy for uh, the failure to stop Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats uh, in the in the house the problem we have though is is that and what I'm worried about is that the the Tuesday election was clearly a repudiation of the extreme end of the Republican Party it was the it was the most extreme candidates who lost the more uh, mainline candidates, the the the, the Kemp's, the uh, the uh, the Abbotts, the uh, the uh, the Dewines of the world are the ones who had success, right? But ironically, it has empowered the far right extremes of the Republican Party in Congress because Kevin, if we end up with a one vote majority or a two or three vote majority, that means that Marjorie Taylor Greene is like the deciding vote for Kevin McCarthy. Right. Because he he needs every Republican in the caucus to vote for him in a speaker's election. And so she's going to use that, you know, for example, to say she could use that to say, "Okay, Kevin, I'll give you my vote if you promise no more money for Ukraine. Because she campaigned at a a rally and said, if Republicans win, not another penny for Ukraine. What's he going to do? You know, it's right. it, it, so, so, you know, I, the, the, the irony is, is that the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the Republican Party were absolutely repudiated on Tuesday. And she's now one of the most powerful members of the, uh, of the, of the, of the House of Representatives. Mark, uh, he should be speaker. Uh, I don't want to get into his soap opera. He earned it. Uh, he worked. He delivered two years ago. 
This time was continuation, but not the flood. I don't know how much you're going to blame from him uh, when you're a minority. I think he deserves a shot at it. I'm, I'm really surprised to see people running at him. But he might decide it's not worth it. If you're going to sit there and hold me hostage and try to leverage everything, he might say, it's probably not going to work. It's not worth it for me. I, I, and maybe he'll walk away. But Jim Jordan's in his camp. Mark, it's an exciting time. Hopefully we'll get uh, some results soon. I appreciate your insight always. All right. Take care. All right, when we come back, we'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Then Mike Huckabee, Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So much for the reset in terms of uh, President Biden's comments that nothing's going to change. Something should change, and we should figure out a way now to work together. It is divided government. You will have a majority in the House, which is different. Uh, We'll see what happens in the Senate. I tend to agree with Senator Coons. We're likely to end up back where we are. Um, but with regard to the, the elections and uh, who was, you know, a MAGA candidate or, or, or who wasn't, uh, I, I, I think it was not a good night for Donald Trump. OK, I got it. Uh, he doesn't. But I got it. But that was Senator Portman. Would, 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 uh, Donald Trump says, look, we got the House. You're about to get the Senate. You could absolutely get the Senate back. So let's do it. Uh, Herschel will win. Why are Republicans uh, doom and gloom? This is a big night. You're getting power back and then I'll get the presidency back. But then he went out and ripped Governor DeSantis, essentially saying he's ungrateful and that he, uh, if he didn't come by, he never would have got the nomination against Adam Putman and therefore never would have beat uh, the uh, by one point in 2016, won the election that he won, got in 2018. And then he's on the cusp of being the number one. I think Governor DeSantis is the hottest Republican and the hottest politician in the country right now on pure effectiveness. That doesn't have to be against Trump. If Trump wanted to still run again, he'll be an instant lame duck, which is a negative. But if he wanted to run again, do what Youngkin did. Youngkin's going to run. But you know what Glenn Youngkin did on Election Day? He gave great credit to the power and the the leadership of Governor DeSantis. He's probably going to be on the stage with him at some point saying, I'm better in Virginia. But the president does his own thing, and I think it would be a big mistake to announce on Tuesday. A lot of people very close to him that will walk through fire for him or over hot coals for him think he's out of bounds here. I'm one of them. I'm Brian Kilmeade. When we come back, we go back to uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. His daughter made history. He'll talk about it. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It will be the honor of a lifetime to serve as Arkansas's 47th governor and the first female governor. The state of Arkansas is at the 
I think my dad's the best governor Arkansas has ever had, one of the best governors the country has ever seen. And I'm hoping to take that title away from him pretty soon. And he'd be more than happy to give it up. Uh, Governor Mike Huckabee, Fox News contributor, former Arkansas governor, joins us now. Governor, I just imagine it's almost like uh, watching, I guess, if you're uh, Tom Brady, if his son goes pro. You know, it's almost (laughs) like a professional athlete when they see the next generation out there doing what you do, right? It's an incredible experience. It was almost surreal because I'm remembering, you know, that little girl that I held in my arms and, you know, held her hand to go to the county fairs where she passed out uh, flyers for me in my early days of campaigning. And then to see her on the stage accepting the uh, accolades of the voters by an overwhelming percentage, 63.5% vote. My gosh, it was just uh, terrific. And I think, as I said to the newspaper the other day in Arkansas, I said, I think she will satisfy her supporters and she will surprise those who did not vote for her as being a great governor. Absolutely. And she made that clear, Rolly. That was one of her goals. And, of course, if you have your passion to hand out flyers at a young age, you know where you're going to end up as a career while still being a young mom. That's one of the main things she had to tackle with when she was at the White House. So uh, first off, Governor, you know, what is the responsibility? And this is a wide open question, not an assumptive question. When you are governor of a state, what is your role in making sure elections run smoothly or the, or the procedures in which they're implemented? The direct role was that of the secretary of state and then in each county, uh, the county clerk. But we didn't have these kind of problems. Uh, you know, there would be issues from time to time where uh, people would maybe uh, defraud the vote process. But this was not government people doing it. They, these were individuals who would get absentee ballots and vote other people. But we did not have a government problem that I'm aware of. And so it was more of an issue of just individuals doing the various things. But what we're seeing today uh, you, you've got a great contrast. Florida, which was a disaster in 2000, became the most efficient voting model in the nation, third largest population in the country. Within just two or three hours after the polls closed, they've got all the votes counted, certified, uh, without controversy. Georgia, big problem in 2020. They cleaned it up. This time, even Stacey Abrams had to concede. She didn't even contest it because there was nothing to contest. It was a clean election, and they've made great improvements. What's going on in Arizona is an embarrassment to the nation, not just to Arizona. I said the other day that I I really believe that Arizona got its voting machines from the same people uh, that sells McDonald's, the ice cream machines. A couple of things. So if you're governor and you're not the secretary of state and you know there's problems and you have two years in between, where was Governor Ducey? And I don't know the answer. Where was Governor Ducey knowing they had problems last time? All the challenges that went through there, how it divided him and Trump. And it divided the governor of, uh, go- the governor of Georgia, and he changed things for the better. Yeah. He reigned in the drop boxes, said, we're going to go with ID. We're going to forget about signature match. We're going to get in some new machines. We're going to find out the districts that were problems. Why? Where was Governor Ducey during this? It's a question I can't answer. The way to handle this is that you uh, you appoint a task force to identify the real problems, but you have to solve it through the legislature. You have to get new laws created that determine how ballots are received and how ballots are counted and how ballots are accounted for. That's a legislative procedure, but the governor's role in that 
is to propose that legislation and then to shepherd it through the legislature so that whatever laws have to be changed in the state in order to have fair, clean, and accountable elections, that's what you have to do. And for reasons that I do not understand, Arizona failed to do it. All right. So now do you understand how Adam Laxalt might be a little uneasy uh, because he's got this lead and these ballots are pouring in, 300 drop boxes, they're just being dropped off? Do you understand how... Uh, Carrie Lake and Ma- uh, and Masters are a little worried. Here's Carrie Lake yesterday, last night with Sean. Cut three. I think President Trump is still the leader of this Republican Party. I'm sorry, I, cut two. I, I, we could just go, let's go with t- cut two. I am um, 100% going to win. I have absolute 100% confidence that I will be the next governor of Arizona. And I think the Republican Party should continue along with America first policies like we are with solutions, common sense solutions. And she went on to say that most of the people, they're still counting same day votes. Same day votes usually go to your party, the Republican Party. So she's somewhat optimistic. She says she's watching little tranches come in and they're tending to give a few extra votes to Democrats. So right away, if she does not win, you know, that's the, she's not going to go quietly. Well, and she nor shouldn't. shouldn't she, nor should she. Not because uh, there are so many questions as to why it's taking so long to get these votes counted. And when the Arizona officials are asked and they say, well, it may be next week, why would it be next week? Your, your state's not that big. It, it's a nice, large state, but it's not as big as New York or California. It's not as big as Florida. You can do this. Texas is a much bigger state. Nobody's questioning the results there. So why is it? And I think that the people responsible for elections in Arizona have a lot to answer for. Some people need to be fired. Some people need to be unelected. uh, And some people need to be held accountable for the embarrassment that Arizona elections have become. I want you to hear what Joe Biden said after as we wait on the House and Senate. Cut 21. Look, I also think the American people sent a message that they want us to work together. I've always done that. I know I got criticized for it when I ran. I said I was running for three reasons. One, to restore the soul of America. Two, to build this economy from the middle out and the bottom up. And thirdly, to unite the country. Regardless of what the final tally showed, I'm prepared to work with Republicans. But the American people have made it clear. They expect Republicans to work with me as well. Has he shown any signs of working with Republicans. Do you know anything that was bipartisan came through the Senate and he just signed off on it and almost blew up the whole infrastructure deal? What do you what do you think what do you think he should have learned for the midterms and what do you think he will do? You know, his inability and unwillingness to work with Republicans makes Obama look like a dog on marshmallow. I've never seen a president who would stand up in front of this red, evil, satanic-looking uh, scene in front of Independence Hall and basically say if you're a Republican, Um, you're a threat to democracy, and then continue to repeat that. You do not win over the other side when you basically call them evil. You call them a threat to uh, our basic way of life. You denigrate everything they believe and stand for. You pass legislation without one single person from the other party voting because they totally got nothing from it, and there was no compromise. Joe Biden is the most delusional president in American history in continuing to believe that he's somehow this unifier. He's the most divisive president I've ever seen in my lifetime, going back to Eisenhower, for gosh sake. So yesterday, the president went to Truth Social to say he's not mad at Sean Hannity uh, and Melania for pushing Dr. Oz. Uh, 
says it's not true that he's enraged. He thought the midterm results for many people are being fed fake narrative from the corrupt media that I'm angry about the midterms. Don't believe it. I'm not at all angry. Did a great job. I wasn't the one running. And I'm very busy, uh, busy, very busy looking to the future. I am a stable genius. He went on to say uh, that he also uh, repeated a derogatory nickname for Ron DeSantis. In a statement, he included characteristic complaints about his media coverage. But he also said, um, uh, Tom tried the fact that he was a key endorser of uh, DeSantis against Adam Putnam. He's, he was politically dead. Uh, he feels as though Ron DeSantis is being ungrateful. He says, I'm only focused on the governor. He says... The fake news asked him if he's going to run uh, and pres- uh, get with, if President Trump runs in 2024. He said, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that really is not the right answer. What's going on be, uh, between Trump and DeSantis, and what would you recommend the president do? I, I think President Trump's got to quit focusing on other Republicans. The reason people elected him in 2016 was because he talked about America. He talked about closing the border. Uh, saying no to China, building an economy that really did help the working class people. And the beautiful thing is, as president, he did those things. But when he takes his focus off the people of America and puts it upon himself, and he makes it about him and not about them, I think he loses ground. And it's very disappointing. I hope he changes this message, because quite frankly, Brian, um, his attack today on Glenn Youngkin in Virginia I'm scratching my head and saying, why would you do that? You know, this, this makes no sense to me. And it's it's really going to cost him the support of loyal Trumpians who love Donald Trump, love what he did as president, want to support him again. But he's got to talk about what's ahead, not what's behind. Uh, as I often say, if you look in a car and you're driving, the windshield is a huge piece of glass. The rearview mirror is a tiny little piece of glass. You occasionally glance behind, but the big part of your focus is looking ahead in the windshield, not the rear view. Donald Trump's got to start looking through the windshield and not the rear view. Yeah, he says he mocked his name. It sounds Chinese. Now that's in, So Glenn Youngkin, to me, he's clearly uh, teeing up for run for president. He's only got one term in Virginia. It seemed kind of obvious. You heard the signals. So the president's going to announce on Tuesday, the former president's going to announce on Tuesday. Do you think that will help or hurt the Walker campaign? You know, if he were asking me, I would tell him, hold off that announcement until after that campaign. And why don't you go to Georgia and join with every Republican we can get? And let's all go to Georgia and let's help Herschel Walker win that race. And then after that's over and we're completely done with midterms, then, you know, turn on the lights, open the windows and doors, have at it. But until then, I think we need to focus on just getting finished with the elections we have rather than the elections that are two years in the future. You know, Governor Huckabee is our guest, obviously. Governor, I know the biggest Trump loyalists who are extremely upset and not looking to get on board and that this is something they just can't support. I think it's going to be a challenge. And and I wish the president would call so many of his closest uh, most endeared supporters and say, am I saying the right things? And I think most of them will tell him, Mr. President, I think it's time to put a focus on the future of America and, and don't attack the other Republicans. There's no there's no benefit in it, no future for it. Uh, focus on the people who won. 
be that kingmaker and that person who can influence them to be America first patriots, that's a wonderful thing. And nobody's better able to do that than Donald Trump. But we do not need right now um, a, a basically fratricide going on in the Republican Party, especially going after good, solid conservatives like Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, uh, and, and other Republicans. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just very formidable candidates. I really can't point to anybody who's formidable on the left. I'm not, that's why I think Joe Biden's running again. But I could put, I could put 15 people on the stage of, of Republicans that will have legitimate resumes. To, there would be solid candidates, and if they put together a good campaign, great president, you know, could actually get elected. On the left, I don't see that. I don't remember a time when I could actually say that. Yeah, they've gone so far to the left that they've marginalized themselves to the fringe. When Bernie Sanders is a legitimate presidential candidate, an avowed socialist, something is terribly wrong. He's not even a identified Democrat. That's, uh, that's pretty sad. When the leaders of their party are so ideologically out of touch with the rest of the country, um, you know, they, they really are in a vacuum. Uh, they're talking Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton. I'm thinking, really? That's all you got? You know, it's like saying that the only Halloween candy that we're going to have now and forever is candy corn. <laughs> Come on, people. It's time, it's time to change the menu. Governor Huckabee, always great. Congratulations for you and your family and, of course, your daughter. Uh, it's an exciting Thanks. time. Great to talk to you. All right, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. When we come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 So glad you're here. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I could not support him. I, I just couldn't because we have seen, for example, in those states where he has endorsed uh, the candidates, in fact, Republicans on the same ticket who he did not endorse overperformed, whereas his candidates totally underperformed by as much as 10 points. We have a clear mission and it is time to move on. That's Winston Sears, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. And, of course, the president attacked Glenn Youngkin, saying his last name sounds Chinese. That's bizarre. Uh, Laura, listening online in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Laura. Hi. Um, I could not agree more with what um, Mr. Huckabee said. Um, Yesterday when I heard uh, or read Trump's response to DeSantis, my heart sank. I've been a Trump supporter. I've loved what he's done, but I think maybe he just— had a one thing to do, and that was to do the Abraham Accords, make Israel the capital, and I think maybe the Lord just used him for that. Because to attack DeSantis, who is like a gift to the state of Florida, and the only reason of sanity for the rest of this nation, it just it made my heart just sink. Like, he can't do that. You know, and if he does continue, he's lost my vote. Wow. And and you voted for him happily two times? Oh, yes, I did. I mean, I've been a huge supporter, but I mean, it's just his narcissism. I mean, he's very narcissistic, God-loving. But to do that because, you know, he's got his, you know, obviously he's concerned that he might not be looking at being the top, but he needs to look at the whole thing like he needs to be a helper and not a 
hurt her just because of his own ego and pride, and it's just very disheartening. I hear you, uh, Laura. It's the first time I've ever taken a call like that. I voted for him twice, and I can't support what he's doing attacking DeSantis and Youngkin. Uh, ben in Michigan. Hey, Ben. Ryan, ditto to the last caller. Voted for Trump twice, loved his policies, can't stand his mouth. I'm He's pushing me closer and closer to DeSantis. I, I'm just getting really tired of the uh, of the, of his ununiting that he's doing among the Republican parties. I couldn't agree with your last caller more. Really couldn't. Wow. Uh, I can't believe this. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised because that's how I feel. It really is. I'm, I've been in contact with him pretty regularly. I think he's way off base here. I think for him to attack anyone except Democrats, and I wouldn't even do that. I would just say to myself, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till after Christmas. I'm going to see who's in the field. I'm going to see what kind of team I could put together. I'm going to see where the country is because a lot of things are, that we're going to find out about the economy soon, and I don't think it's going to be good. I think Facebook was a canary in the coal mine. But I would not be attacking Republicans for no reason who haven't even declared they're running. Uh, Mark, WHIO. Hey, Mark. Hey, Brian. I couldn't agree more with you two callers previous, but I think the uh, election that we thought was going to be a red wave came down to two issues. One is Donald Trump, obviously. Um, There's women out there that absolutely despise that man and everything he touches. And I think the abortion issue is a much bigger issue among women um, than than the pollsters even thought about. That's a as far as I'm concerned, that's between God and those women that have an abortion. Other than that, the Republicans have lost lost that argument. And in terms of Trump, Trump's got to go. His mouth is just. Did you vote for him work. twice? You vote for him twice? I voted for Donald. I voted for Donald Trump twice and was proud of it. Wow! Thanks so much, Brian Kilmeade. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. Coming up this hour, Geraldo Rivera. Then Herschel Walker. Then Jimmy Watson, retired Navy SEAL, COO of Operation Restored Warrior. Uh, It is a great organization. You're going to love to know more about on this uh, Veterans Day. And I think people should recalibrate Veterans Day. Not only salute people who serve, but let everybody know the positive to serving. The only negative thing about having great organizations on, like Folds of Honor and the Tunnel to Towers, is you see the people that get wounded. You think everyone gets wounded. They don't. You think everyone has PTSD. They don't. A lot of people say it changes their lives. It It gives them something actually to live for. And gives them a, a standard, values and ethics is maybe they're not getting elsewhere in their lives. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The American people overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly support our agenda. Yeah, not really. What now, President Biden? Says nothing will change over the next two years. Yet from border to prime to, to from the border to crime to inflation. We are not doing well. Other presidents change course at this interim. Do you really expect him not to? We'll discuss. Number two. Well, I can tell you that there absolutely will be a challenge to Kevin McCarthy's leadership bid when we have our organizational meetings next week. And the intent on, on November 15, when that's scheduled to be, will be to demonstrate that he doesn't have near 218 votes. 
That is a little surprising. That is Bob Good of Virginia speaking up. A threat emerges to Kevin McCarthy's leadership when the Republicans take the House, which could be any day or any hour now. Who are the other contenders? And is that right? To me, you leave McCarthy, give him a shot. Number one. My staff has been working very diligently. We've been here from early in the morning until late at night. We've been fully staffed. We're working as hard as we possibly can in order to get the ballots counted. Uh, That is true, Joe Gloria. But why do you have a system that demands that you count ballots for weeks after? I'm talking about Nevada. So much at stake with two two states, Nevada and Arizona. They're still collecting and counting ballots. Uh, We have the balance of power in the Senate at stake. Meanwhile, both sides prep for December 6th runoff in Georgia. We're going to look at the game plan for Warnock and Walker. And joining me right now, Geraldo Rivera with the game plan. Geraldo, your take so far on Nevada and Arizona. How crazy is this? It is crazy. Uh, It does appear as if uh, Masto is uh, closing the gap with uh, the the ballots that are being counted in the Reno and Las Vegas uh, counties. Uh, It seems that the Democrats will eke out two narrow victories in Arizona and Nevada, uh, and the Georgia runoff, uh, thankfully, will not count as much as it did last time around. I'm kind of sick of, uh, you know, Georgia local politics. But it is what it is, a very tight uh, election, uh, stunning to me as uh, to – most uh, pundits, uh, shocking, really. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, Brian, but I think that uh, it is clear that this is uh, Donald Trump at the lowest ebb of his political career, Brian. So first off, I want to give you Carrie Lake. Uh, she thinks she's going to pass. Uh, she's going to uh, move into the top spot for good because they've not counted the bulk. 650,000 ballots were counted. Most of them were day of voting. Listen to her. Cut one. You know, we're watching as these little tranches come in and they're tending to give a few extra votes to the Democrats. The Democrats are running out of ballots to count that are going to go in their favor. And they know it. Everyone knows it. Our war rooms know it. When they start counting these mail-in ballots that were hand-delivered, that's when we're going to see everything start to shift. And there's no turning back from that. And it's going to uh, be—I want to prepare our supporters for this turnaround, but I think the left is going to kind of wig out when they find out that they're losing potentially all four of these key races. Do you blame Governor Ducey for the uh, for the anarchy that's taking place, for the lack of cohesion and execution? I want national elections. I want one standard, one kind of machine uh, that's vetted by every possible expert, including the Pentagon. I think, uh, you know, states' rights is great, but when you have 50 different systems. It's very chaotic. Arizona is uh, clearly an example. All those old-timers, uh, you know, I'm a former Wildcat, University of Arizona, varsity lacrosse uh, player. I love the state, but, uh, uh, you know, you've had a huge, t- tremendous influx of old-timers there. They love the delayed voting. Uh, you know, the result is you don't get a, you know, uh, you don't get a result for, you know, what is it now, a week? It's, uh, it's a joke. It's, it's silly. It's, it doesn't make, it undermines confidence. Carrie Lake is a different issue. Carrie Lake is, I think that she had, she's been drinking razor blades and, and, uh, <laughs> and spikes. Uh, she's become very, very nasty. Uh, she's, uh, her rhetoric is, uh, tough is one thing, but, uh, uh, you know, extreme uh, is another. I, I, I don't care if she wins or loses, tell you the truth, but uh, I, I don't like, uh, you know, her keeping alive 
the Trumpian uh, malignant legend that the elections are all phony. Okay, let, let's talk about that. I want to get to that. So Donald Trump has uh, spent the last two days now went over. I did not know this. Governor Yunkin, he went over when he went after Governor Yunkin today. Uh, says his name sounds Chinese, and Governor DeSantis for essentially being ungrateful, and that he did propel him not only to the nomination but helped him win in Florida. And I think both things are true. Do you think this is good timing for the for the attacks on fellow Republicans? Well, let me just say it continues uh, the heartbreak that I personally feel about the decline and uh, maybe fall of Donald Trump uh, is is only exacerbated by his conduct in the in this current election that he takes all of the uh, credit when something goes right and all the blame goes to the candidate if everything goes wrong as it did in Pennsylvania and elsewhere. Uh, and you know some of the things he's saying. I mean, I thought the sanctimonious for Ron DeSantis was very, very clever and biting and sharp. Uh, it had some alliteration. It had some... But why uh, now? <laughs> uh, but uh, Young Hin uh, is racist. It's not the first time he's done that. It's, uh, you know, uh, now what's he going to do? Make Chinese eyes uh, every time he says something about uh, Governor Youngkin, who is, is definitely not Asian. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's pathetic. It's It's narcissistic. It's it's kid stuff, uh, and uh, it's not what the Republicans need right now, Brian. So you know uh, the, the ups and downs from 2015 on when he ran, and people couldn't take his uh, his brand, and they couldn't take the way he approached things, but it did propel him to victory, never given the knowledge uh, that he actually won for four years, phony investigations, wore him out, no question. The way he handled the election, his worst moment that led to January 6th, uh, I've said that before. Uh, how angry he was in between it made no sense to me, to be honest. You just lose, and sometimes you can't quite figure out certain things. You go back and you try to find a way. You got now, for example, that, now here we are, the cusp of another election. But I have never taken so many calls, Geraldo, of people that said, I voted for him twice. I'm out now. Me too. I will never support Donald Trump again. I don't trust him. I think that he put his own personal interests ahead of the interests of the country. Uh, it was uh, shocking uh, to me. It was uh, uh, extremely upsetting to, to watch as, uh, you know, Bill Barr was right. I think Bill Barr is the most sensible Republican out there. Karl Rove is, is pretty close. But Bill Barr, uh, by taking the job as attorney general, did it because, uh, to reference what you were talking about earlier, how he, how he, Donald Trump, was attacked from the minute he stepped into office. They, uh, they undermined his, uh, his authority. They slandered him. They did everything they could to make him ineffective. Uh, and uh, he, he was saved, I think, by, by William Barr and uh, putting the Mueller investigation and Russia-Russia collusion baloney in, in perspective. Uh, but uh, he was scarred by that, I think, uh, way more than we knew. Uh, and then when he lost, he uh, maybe revealed his true character. Uh, if he had gone quietly and just you know, said, wait until 2024, I'll be back, we all would have been right behind him. Hey, yeah, go for it, Mr. President. Go for it. You, you know, you win some, you lose some. Instead of undermining the whole process and trying to bring down, uh, you know, the peaceful transition of government, inspiring that uh, that riot, instigating it, inciting it, uh, in uh, on January sixth, uh, it's just uh, it's too much. It's too much. Uh, I think that Trump had a very very toxic effect. But I, I also think, Brian, that as unpleasant as it may sound. You have to look at the issue of abortion rights as the secret weapon, the uh, 
maybe not so secret weapon that Democrats had. In places other than New York and Florida, and those are two different conversations to have, uh, the abortion rights turned out the kids, uh, you know, those kids that In the red saw, states. The, it, it, it was uh, it was quite yeah. extraordinary. So listen to so I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm done forever for with Trump. I'm saying I, I don't like after 2020. I don't like him talking about the election was rigged. I ne- I don't like the attacks on Youngkin and DeSantis. But let's see what happens. I hope he doesn't announce on Tuesday. That would show that the backlash got to him. But Governor Patel, by the way, the big story is Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin's sensational win that cut that dropped fell a little bit short in New York propelled these New York victories on Long Island that helped flip the House, which seems to be maybe an hour away, to make it official. Without New York flipping these seats, we don't know what will happen. And it was really Lee Zeldin at the top of the ticket. Do you feel the same way? I do, but it was also the New York Post at the top of the ticket. In New York, because abortion rights were never seriously threatened, even if Zeldin won the election, even if there was a Republican governor, uh, there would have been uh, abortion rights in New York State, given the demographic makeup of the state and yep, the assembly yep. and the state senate and all the rest of it. So successfully, the Republicans ran on the issue of crime and disorder, uh, on anarchy, on uh, the threat, the subway being pushed onto the rails and uh, Zeldin's own uh, uh, property being assailed when his daughters are home doing their homework. I mean, in New York, unlike uh, Pennsylvania next door, uh, crime really, right. really was a preying on the mind of New Yorkers. In Pennsylvania, where you had Philadelphia, where you had record homicides, that was not the case. They were into the Phillies. They were into the uh, the Eagles. They were into other, you know, other more benign things. Yeah. In New York, that's, that wasn't the case. It was all about uh, all about crime. And uh, Zeldin I, got I think, it. I think they, you know, Zeldin rode that uh, rode that wave. He played it perfectly. He ran a great campaign. Uh, you know, I feel sorry that uh, he didn't. He came up short. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, life goes right. on. But New York, really, you're right. It, it will be bitterly ironic, or at least ironic, depending on what side of the fence you are, that control of the House of Representatives came down to New York State. Harold Rivera, thanks so much. Okay, buddy. All right, Her- Herschel Walker next. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We've seen that Herschel Walker has a disturbing history. A pattern of violence against women, against his own family. And he takes and he refuses to take responsibility for that, and he refuses to even answer questions. And so the question right now is this. Is that who we want? No! Representing Georgia. Raphael Warnock getting personal in the runoff uh, in a way in which he wasn't really delving heavily into that during the election. But December 6th, it's going to be a bloodbath leading up to it with words, by the way. Herschel Walker joins us now. Herschel, uh, will you force to run off? Here we go. Uh, what about the personal attack that he unleashed yesterday? Well, that's all uh, Senator Warnock has. You know, like I said, I've been very transparent in my life, and he has it. I think everybody see what he did with those apartments which is still going on today. Uh, he's hidden his uh, divorce papers when his wife said that he's an actor, that he's fake, that he's a hypocrite. But I said, let's not even talk about the personal attack because that's all he has. You know, did he want to talk about things I've done that I've been redeemed from. But he forget about it. He's not telling about the company that I built over 20-something years that become one of the largest minority-owned food service companies in the United States of America. 
He forgetting about all the things that I've done outside of that. We're talking about things that he's doing today. He is the reason we have high grocery prices. He's the reason we have high utility bills. He's the reason why we have high gas prices. He's the reason why the board is wide open. These are questions he needs to answer, and he's not answering them. He's a sitting senator, and he's hiding. And everybody remember when they talked about that debate, that I wasn't ready for the debate. He was going to come into this debate and talk about everything that uh, – that I was uh, right. doing this stuff. Well, they found out I'm the one that's ready to be a senator. He's not. He couldn't answer questions. He didn't want to answer questions. So I'm the one to represent Georgia. He's shown who he represents, and that's Joe Biden. You know, the second time you play a team, you got to come out with a different strategy. You play two teams in your division every year. You did that with the Cowboys and Vikings and Giants. So now you got to play that team again. Mitch McConnell's helping. He's tapping into Governor Brian Kemp to help Republican Senator, according to Axios, Herschel Walker over the finish line. He's going to tap into his team, which obviously did a great job, uh, the Super PAC, who put together. He's got field workers. He's got analytics. What could you tell us about this? Well, what I can tell us about it is they know how important this race is. The people on the left, center, one not would do and say anything for this seat. They try to buy this seat. That's what they're trying to do is buy this seat. But this seat, George is not for sale. Georgia is not for sale. The people are hurting because of Senator Warnock with the crime on the streets that he called all men and women thugs and bullies and men and women in blue. And right now, he needs an answer for that. But did you right get now, the governor's he, team? Or is the governor's team pledged to help you out? Oh, no. The governor's team has always been there to help us out. That was one thing that uh, that we were uh, dividing and conquer that we would do it. I got into a runoff. You know, I'm, at, I'm going up against the incumbent, and everyone said it was going to be difficult. I felt I can win this outright, but he wanted to go into a runoff because he didn't think he can win it outright. Well, I did because I know that what the people are asking for, they're asking for new leadership. That leadership is Herschel Walker. That's why. I so how is Kemp going to affect you, Herschel? Like, how does his get out the vote machine that was so effective oh, it, for him? It, it, how is it going to help you? Uh, the way it's going to help me is I'm going to have the same get out and vote machine as well. We're going to match him to everything that he's doing. No, I'm right talking about now. how Kemp, I should have been clearer. Kemp is oh. got giving you his oh. get out the vote machine. Well, that's what I'm saying. Kemp, but you saw what happened in the race against Stacey Abrams. Everyone talked about her get out and vote machine. And you saw what Kemp did to her machine. Kemp, he ended up getting more votes than uh, either uh, Senator Warnock or myself. So his machine is, is just as good as a Warnock machine. Well, right now, the Republicans are coming together. And that's one thing I talked about when I first got in this race. I'm thinking about united. I'm not thinking about divided. That's one thing I've said. I want to unite people rather than divide people. You know, Senator, why not just want to divide? That's all he talks about. So you had Ted Cruz yesterday. And who else is coming? I imagine Governor DeSantis would be a coveted visit. Uh, Governor Youngkin. Uh, Kemp himself. Well, what, what is who's, what's on the Herschel well, uh, guest have, list? We're going to have a lot of people coming in that that want to help me to win this seat. And I'm inviting anyone to come down to help me to win this seat. This is one of the most important elections in our lifetime. And we got to get this right because if we do not get it right. We may not recognize America tomorrow because they will change everything. That's why I've been saying this, and I hate to keep saying it. I, they go to TeamHersher.com because they're trying to buy this seat. They can't win it outright because they got no policies to run on. They And you, you saw the president the other day. They say you're headed in the wrong direction. Seventy-five percent of America say you're headed in the wrong direction. What are you going to change? And he said nothing. That tells you right there they're not going to do anything. They're going to keep headed in that direction, which is going to be terrible for America. Who's going to you join you this did? weekend? Say that again, sir. Who's going to join you this weekend? 
This weekend, we, oh, geez, uh, who joined us this weekend? I think I got a couple of local uh, people that joined me this weekend. We uh talking about bringing in uh, the uh, lieutenant governor from North Carolina. We have uh, we have a lot of senators from all over the country that's coming in to, to join in. That's what's so important is coming together. We've been on one cause because this election is that important, and I don't think people realize that. This is well, I think they do. I think they, uh, they know how important well, no, it is. They want to get out and vote. We want people to come out and vote and vote and have your voices heard. Have your voices heard because I can tell gotcha. you right now, if you don't vote, your voices will be heard by uh, Kamala Harris. Especially in Georgia. Uh, Herschel Walker, thanks so much. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's about honor. I mean, we're blessed to be in a country that sets aside a day like this, as well as Memorial Day and Armed Forces Day, to honor those who serve. We got well, less than 1% that step up and thankfully are willing to serve the country to protect the other 99%. That is a remarkable statement right. because they put at risk everything that they care about in life. Everything. To be a parent, to have friends, to have love in your life. And why do they do this? They do it out of a sense of duty, and they do it for one another in a fight. And this is honor. And we continue to respect them who have taken that oath and are willing to serve. How good is it that we're in a country that does that every single year to remind its Americans what the other 1% is doing for them? Uh, That is so true. General Jack Keane talking about today, which is Veterans Day. Jimmy Watson, for him, every day is Veterans Day. Retired Navy SEAL, COO of Operation Restored Warrior. Uh, his focus is on eliminating suicides among veterans. Right now, there's 22 a day. He wants to get it to zero. So let's help him out. Jimmy, welcome. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm, I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, raising funds for this great organization, Operation Restored Warrior. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. So talk about what Veterans Day means to you. Yeah, you know, look, you know, our, our men and women have sacrificed so much. You know, there's been a two dec- a war that's gone over two decades on two war fronts, and now they're back at home. And what's the solution for the crisis now? You know, you mentioned, uh, Brian, 22 uh, veterans a day uh, committing suicide. There, there's actually a recent report, Brian, uh, by American Warriors Partnership that said the numbers are more like 44 a day. Now, 22 is hard to believe. But I had eight, personally, eight friends commit suicide between the Marine Corps and the Navy SEAL teams that I was in. You know, the, the number is 44. That's high-risk behavior. That's driving your motorcycle uh, down the highway, drinking alcohol because you're lost in a dark place. And I was in a lo- lost in very, very dark place in my life. But I found Operation Restore Warrior. You know, I loved being a SEAL, but what I experienced left me wounded and broken in war. I saw buddies killed. I saw civilians killed. I saw a mother screaming and tearing her hair out over her two dead children. I was trapped in a vehicle later on, you know, smelling diesel, thinking I was going to burn alive like four Marines that I saw burn alive in a tank a couple weeks before in Baghdad, Iraq. You know, I I had to decide right there, do, do I kill myself or do I burn alive? Those kind of things leave a lasting impression, and it's hard to get that out of your head. Eventually, I had a traumatic brain injury. I got out of the SEALs. Um, so, so afterwards, I tried all the counseling, all the pills. I tried drugs, alcohol. Look, I have to tell the R-rated uh, version of my story so that people understand there's hope. You know, and a lot of, a lot of our warriors don't 
know that there's um, something out there right now that there's an actual solution for all this. And I was fortunate enough, Brian, to have found Operation Restore Warrior and this organization. There's a lot of organizations out there that are helping, right? But but ORW is absolutely uh, healing our warriors and the difference in helping and healing is, is right. as you know, temporary so, and permanent. So besides that, so you had a traumatic, a physical head injury, but in terms of emotion, when you come back, is, it, is there a sense of lack of appreciation for the sacrifice that you've already witnessed? Is it because there's a lack of mission that was so clear when you were in uniform and now it was so opaque? Yeah, yeah. So we so we hear PTSD thrown around a lot. You know, when, Brian, when I got out of uh, the SEALs, it wasn't a lack of appreciation from viewership like you, like yours, like true American patriots that are listening to your radio show, your television show. But it's the it was the policy handed down, much like Vietnam. It's it's the politics involved. It's it's um, not allowing us to shoot back when we when we ha- when we had to shoot back. It's prosecuting and persecuting our warriors as they return for so-called war crimes that they were essentially trained to do and that wasn't actually war crimes but self-defense so there's a lot of politics that gets involved and it's really sad because that takes a heavy heavy toll on our soldiers returning home from these uh, wars well and how hard was it now to know how many people you know that fought in afghanistan died or left uh, part of them their bodies there and then to see the way we left for no reason it's not that we were forced out we chose to get out yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, um, I, I've studied art of war for many years. Uh, if you've read that book, you know, uh, Sun Tzu, the warrior, said, you know, yeah, yeah. He said, never go into a war without an exit strategy. It's so simple. You don't go to the grocery store without planning to return home that day at some point. You know, it's very simple. And we have just completely forgotten just the the simplicity of of tactics you never go in as a seal team without an exit strategy a primary a secondary and a tertiary plan and that's exactly what happened uh jimmy talk about the state of the game uh right now our military our spending is not even keeping up with inflation we know that every recruiting branch outside the marines is below their recruiting levels what message do you have for people thinking about joining look i look i no matter what is going on in our country, I feel that that there is a, a certain obligation. I, you know, I have a social media platform that, that talks about this a lot. I, t- I talk to young kids a lot. I talk to young men growing up, and I tell them, look, do not allow the outside circumstances to determine your future. I would say join. I would say go all in because we need warriors now. Right. There, there's never been a time in our life um, – where where we where we uh, need warriors so much as as the time right now we need we need men and women to join and to serve our country to defend this great nation or or what do we have you know all right so Jimmy if people want to help you out and and help out those who served Operation Restored Warrior uh, where do we go yeah thank you so much um, we just launched Operation Taking Ground our goal is to raise three million dollars to save one thousand warriors in twenty twenty three. Uh, you know, your, your listeners, like I said, are true American patriots. You can go to Operation uh, Restore Warrior.org to donate. Um, I urge every person listening to your show right now at the sound of my voice uh, to make a donation today 
to help us accomplish our mission. I'm a walking, talking testimony, Brian, to this organization. And I tried a lot of things out there. And this is the only thing, this program is the only thing that absolutely works. It's 100%. And I know that's hard to believe in this uh, day of age. But we have a spiritual aspect. It was Jesus that he'll be there. They include him. And I'll tell you, and I didn't believe in all that stuff. But when I went there, I was radically changed forever. I left there a new man, and now I'm with the organization. And, you know, this organization has a 15-year track record. Uh, it's as long as a Wounded Warrior Project. But I'll tell you, uh, we're, we're getting Operation Restore Warrior on the map here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on a speaking tour right now, and I just urge everybody, your listeners, I appreciate you having me on board and, and to make a donation today to OperationRestoreWarrior.org and help us win this fight against this epidemic that we're facing in this country right Jim, now. Jim, thanks for your service, especially on Veterans Day. I think the message really resonating, and uh, people will take you up on that. Jimmy Watson, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. It, it was my honor. Uh, retired Navy SEAL. Listen, when we come back, I'll take your calls. I see you up there. We're looking at two races that will define the power structure uh, in our country. Uh, Nevada and Arizona will give you the absolute latest as more ballots get dumped. Not dumped, but, I mean, dumped into fray. Get, get recorded, I should say. Brian Kilmeade Show. Freedom speaks for itself, and we wouldn't have it without you. Thank you for serving our country and being the best Americans you can be. Happy Veterans Day from the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. In New York, we had an opportunity because we had the same issues I had in 94. Crime out of control and people understanding that. Being the highest tax state in America, uh, number one in the country, and people leaving the state to go to other states. So we had the issues. Uh, We had the candidate. Zeldin, I think, worked as as hard as you could possibly do and ran a very good race. But at the end of the day, the the votes just weren't there. And I think part of that was that this wasn't uh, the same as 1994. And, Neil, i got to tell you, I think a lot of the reason for that was the presence of Donald Trump. I can't tell you the number of people who came up to me and said, you know, I don't like the way things are. Uh, I'd like to vote for Zeldin, but I can't vote for someone who has been so close to Donald Trump. And I think that was a huge factor in the result of this election. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. They're, they're always tight. And whether you like Donald Trump's antics over the last few days is different from what Governor Pataki's saying, because that's just a relationship with Trump. And he liked Trump's policies. And that was uh, Lee Zeldin, of course, who did so well. Anybody who knows says, well, he lost. What's the big deal? It is a huge deal. Because what happens is, well, think about when you vote. You go right down the line when you vote. And for the longest time, well, I'm not going to vote. It doesn't matter. My vote gets killed in New York. You go, Your vote gets squelched in California. Well, now you have Lee Zeldin. People say, this guy have a shot? They go to the polls. So you bring people there. Then when you go, you go straight down the line. And so he fell short from Hochul, but it was enough because it wasn't a dominant New York City vote in Long Island. Long Island was more 50-50. And Long Island, like Staten Island, has gone solidly red. And Governor Hochul, just to show you how Lee Zeldin was on the money and how we're all screwed here in New York, Governor Hochul says she's in no rush to address the crime problem. She's going to take her time looking at analytics and statistics. Can you believe this? How do you feel if you're the next person thrown on the tracks, next person sucker punched from behind, knocked out, we are unconscious with a brain bleed on some platform? Terry, listen on WOKV in beautiful 
of Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Terry. Hey, hey, Brian. How are you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Okay, I just wanted to, uh, man, everybody got ahead of me on this. Uh, I wanted to say that I'm through with Donald Trump. Uh, I think that we will not win an election, the major election coming up in two years with Donald Trump because of his antics. Uh, he just, he's got so many unforced errors that he's brought on himself. And the women in my family, they, they no longer trust him. And it's really, uh, I don't see it happening. And I want to give a shout out to our governor here in Florida. I am so proud of Governor DeSantis and Rubio and every other Republican that won races in our state. And I would go to war for that guy. So I just wanted to tell you that uh, I'm through with Donald Trump and uh, I'm moving on. And I, we got plenty of talent in in the Republican Party that can replace them. Thank you. How many times you vote for him? Twice. Thanks for the call. Linda KFTK was on there with Mark Reardon yesterday. Hey, Linda. Uh, um, 97.1 I'm on. Yep. Uh, that's uh, yeah. with Mark Reardon in St. Louis. Right. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Um, just like your last caller, I have been a huge, huge supporter of Trump. Um, but the way he's gone after DeSantis, I am so angry. I'm looking at Ron DeSantis' resume, and I'm looking here, you know, that he is a Yale University, he went to Yale University, graduated with honors, captain of the varsity ball, uh, baseball team, graduated with honors from Harvard Law School, and also as a Navy SEAL. And for Trump to come out and say that DeSantis has only made it successful because he endorsed him. I almost fell off my chair. So Ron DeSantis is the person that's going to unite this country and win the next presidential election. And Trump needs to stop feeding his ego and realize he's got to turn the baton over to somebody that's going to win the election. And it's not going to be him. And I'm very disappointed to say that because I've always backed Trump. But after this calling Ron, uh, Ron DeSanctimonious to me was the biggest jerky thing he could have ever done to a man who doesn't deserve it. Ron DeSantis has got so much integrity and qualities that Trump could learn a lot from him. I'll say he didn't say he was running. I mean, he, he all he did is say he won. And when he was asked about it, he said, right now I'm all concentrating on running for governor. So in other words, that insulted Donald Trump. He wanted him to say, I'm not running. So Linda, I understand a lot of people feel exactly the same way. In fact, everybody I've talked to Tom, listen to WRCN in Long Island. Tom, do you feel the same way? Hello? Tom, you're on. What's on your mind? Hello? All right. Are you there? Barry, listen to Los Angeles. Hey, Barry. Hey, Brian. Um, I do not feel the exact same way. I'm very disappointed in uh, the truth or tweet, whatever it was, the Santos. However, this is being this is being pushed by the, the in all the anti-never-Trumpers, and all the Bushies, Fox News has been terrible. All Trump has been listening to the last week is how he's a drag. It's They know Trump has an ego. Should have Trump made this tweet that DeSantis? Has DeSantis done anything? No. But everybody's rubbing DeSantis in Trump's face. Look, I would vote for either Trump or DeSantis. However, what you guys don't realize is Trump's going to be taking at least 10 million votes away from DeSantis if people keep treating Trump the way they're treating him. End of story. Very interesting. So early. We're not even done with 2022 yet. So what do you want him to do? Uh, What's the best thing for him to do to help Herschel? Brian, listen to me. You 
Yesterday you had Christian. Today you had Heraldwan. Both of them disparaging Carrie Lake. A week ago, Carrie Lake was the new rock star, and now all of a sudden you have you, you Christy and Heraldo are on your show disparaging Carrie Lake. It's just it's it's. Uh, I was saying uh, no. What, what Christy pointed out to is, and I, no, I'm a, know, and you know, and you know, I'm a big. I, I couldn't be more impressed. I think she's a superstar to emerge. I've said that. So if you listen to the show, yeah. you know that. But number two is when I yeah. get people on. I don't want the, I don't want them uh, to to say what I want them to say. I, I want them to say what they want to say. That's why I'm here. To, that's back. why I have guests. But you number two is yeah, but- he pointed out this to Governor Christie. As far as I can tell, he didn't put her down. What he said was, "Ducey won by 15 votes. Why are we in a virtual runoff with her now? That there's unelectable candidates out there that are too extreme. That's his point. You've heard that before, right? <laughs> you, is that not disparaging Carrie Lake again? A week ago, you, a week ago, Mark Thiessen admitted to you that he was wrong about Carrie Lake. Yet, so she's in a close race, and all of a sudden, we're just disparaging her, which in the end is, you know, again. But, but Barry, to describe to describe Carrie Lake as much more conservative than than Governor Ducey is not disparaging. And Governor Ducey got elected twice. I can't go inside uh, Arizona politics. I don't. I don't read it every day, but that's the one thing that come that emerged when you have extreme candidates. McCain was not a ultra conservative, as you know. And when they broke J.D. Hayworth, he couldn't get the nomination because he was very conservative. So that was the point that Donald Trump promoted somebody, and I think she still should prevail. And I think she's going to be a superstar. But you cannot say that profiles as a typical, successful Republican governor of uh, Arizona. That's his that's basically his point. Again, everybody, everybody is blaming Trump for the poor performance. What is Trump? You're you're just baiting him. Everybody's everybody who wants to push him out right now. They know what they're doing. They're baiting him again. Do so I, you want you want to see him run again? His, am I happy with his tweet, tweet against him? Do I want to see him? What, I, what needs to happen is Donald Trump needs to to do what Donald Trump wants to do. I know that sounds. If not, we're gonna we're gonna lose at least ten million votes, and and Joe Biden actually will win a, a landslide in twenty four. I hear you, Barry. I mean, what you're saying is not wrong. I'm, I'm just saying that that's the debate of Donald Trump. I've heard that argument before, too. Uh, but what you said is not wrong. I understand. Uh, it's exasperating. Uh, and we should be focusing on the midterms anyway, but yet we're focusing on 2024 again. But good point, and I'll be aware of that. Try to balance it out. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the final hour of the week here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. Janet Breen getting set to host Fox News Sunday is queuing up. Sid Rosenberg bring us inside the New York success story for Republicans in just a moment. By the way, they're in the middle of a civil war, too. Uh, their DCC chair is now going to war with AOC and the inept governor in which we're stuck with, who actually said, actually said, I'm in no rush to address the zero cash bail and crime in New York. Why she got four more years is beyond me. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The American people overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly support our agenda. That simply is what Joe Biden said. He's not going to change. But what now? He says nothing will change over the next two years because there was no red wave. But only 25% of the country think we're heading in the right direction. Other presidents have changed course. Why not him? Number two. Well, I can tell you that there absolutely will be a challenge to Kevin McCarthy's leadership bid when we have our organizational meetings next week. And the intent on, on November 15, when that's scheduled to be, will be to demonstrate that he doesn't have near 218 votes. Uh, that is... Representative Bob Good of Virginia speaking up that Kevin McCarthy might not be the speaker. We'll discuss. Number one. My staff has been working very diligently. We've been here from early in the morning until late at night. We've been fully staffed. We're working as hard as we possibly can in order to get the ballots counted. Joe Gloria, so much is at stake with two states, Nevada and Arizona, are still collecting and counting ballots. The balance of power in the Senate is at stake. Meanwhile, both sides prepare for the January, the December 6 runoff. It looks like Herschel's already got $3 million since the election ended. We're going to look at the game plans for both Warnock and Herschel. So let's go out to Shannon Bream. Shannon, welcome back. It is great to be with you, Brian. Shannon, we still have Nevada to look at and Arizona to look at. And people are exasperated about the systems. I cannot believe this will not stand from here on in. We have to get away from signature match. We have to go back to ID. Just what, That's exactly what Georgia did. And if you mail it in, there's social security numbers and things you can do, as well as license numbers. Well, listen, the left is not going to want to hear this, but listen, Republicans um, and Democrats worked together in Florida to get something fixed after 2000, which is a national embarrassment for my home state. And if they've got millions and millions of people and we can know by the end of the night um, how their races turned out, there's got to be something that other states can take from that. And listen, every state by the Constitution grants them the power to run things the way that they choose with their state elections. But maybe, you know, some bipartisan commissions go check out some other states. And by the way, Arizona and Nevada aren't the only ones that are still counting. It's because of Senate races that are hanging in the balance. We're hearing about those two, but there are other states that are still counting ballots. California. I mean, California can't even pick a mayor in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are other states as well where they're just, you know, we're waiting on all these House races. I mean, there are dozens of races that are still uncalled, and we're, what, four days out from the election, three, four days out. And some of these places are warning it could take weeks and weeks. Now, listen, Georgia, they've got the runoff, so of course that makes sense. We won't know until December there, but how long is that going to take once they get done with their votes? Um, You know, Arizona and Nevada, they say they're proceeding as quickly as they can, and even if they wanted to go any faster, they couldn't. This is just the framework they have. Here's Adam Laxalt last night. He said he he can't lose. Cut four. We've been in the lead, obviously, uh, since election night. Uh, That lead has shrunk over the last few days, uh, but she does not have the amount of votes left to be able to catch us. She'd have to win by over 63 percent. And it's important to note, since most of the national media is not covering this, the Las Vegas mail ballots that are being reported 
include election day drop-off mail. And just to give you an example, in Washoe County, we had more Republicans drop off election day ballots than Democrats. And we think that these election day ballots, you know, could break even. We could stand to lose them by 15, 20 points, and we would still hold. And let's see, because Chuck Schumer's getting optimistic, something's changing there because the gap is narrowing there. Do you know offhand, Shannon, uh, where we're waiting besides Clark <clears throat> County? I don't know, but but the Laxalt team does feel very confident. Um, they know every single district, and they're looking at every single batch that's coming in and what they expect to come in. And they continue to have a very um, publicly anyway, and from what I hear privately as well, um, a very confident that they are going to maintain that lead. Even if it, it you know dwindles down, they think that they still have what it's going to take. Nevada, though, you know, has told us it is going to take days, that they are still taking in things that are postmarked appropriately. There are provisional ballots and other things that go into next week. So they're warning, like, don't expect you're going to get the answer this weekend. Could happen, but they say that there are still big chunks that they could be counting well into the middle of next week. Masters about five points away, but Carrie Lake says, hold on, you don't understand, they haven't counted drop-offs. Cut one. You know, we're watching as these little tranches come in, and they're tending to give a few extra votes to the Democrats. The Democrats are running out of ballots to count that are going to go in their favor. And they know it. Everyone knows it. Our war rooms know it. When they start counting these mail-in ballots that were hand-delivered, that's when we're going to see everything start to shift. And there's no turning back from that. And it's going to be—I uh, want to prepare our supporters for this turnaround, but I think the left is going to kind of wig out when they find out that they're losing potentially all four of these key races. We'll see. Uh, as things mm-hmm. start to shift, we remember Martha McSally was leading for the longest time, and they kept saying, look out, cinema's surging. And I thought, wait, she's trailing by so much. And what mm-hmm. happened is they captured, they they, ca- they counted absentee ballots later, but now they counted drop-off ballots later, especially in Maricopa County, where there was already a printer problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, even if everything here is done pristinely and perfectly according to the state law, um, because, like I said, I mean, every state has the right to figure out how they want to do this. It's the delays that don't help the elections officials because people begin to feel suspicious. They feel like they're not getting the full story. And I listen, these guys are holding press conferences two or three times a day to try to let us know what's going on, where they are at. But they have to be aware that the perception, even if it's completely wrong, is that people have questions about why this is taking so long. Right. So I was surprised by this. Kevin McCarthy, for the longest time, is the speaker uh, in waiting. Uh, he said, yeah, close within five. In two years, we're going to take it. And now we're at 211. You need 218. Some of these, it just should be another day, I think. Or it could be now. It could be an hour from now. I'm not sure. But listen to Bob Good last night with Laura Ingram, uh, cut 17. And all across the country, Republican voters continue to tell me and other members of Congress and candidates that they don't support Kevin McCarthy because he's not a true conservative and they want someone who will fight. There's many examples in the past two years where he's failed to do that. And he goes on uh, to complain. And Bob Good says it's not uh, inevitable that he's going to go and they're going to ask for concessions for him to take the job. When the Freedom Caucus gave him a hard time, he just moved out of the way for Paul Ryan. What do you hear, Shannon? 
Yeah, there's a lot of this internal back and forth here in Washington about who's going to lead the party, because you do assume at this point Kevin McCarthy is the leader of the minority party for now and that he would be next in line. But I'm hearing from a lot of folks that are on the more conservative side, the Freedom Caucus side, that they feel like they're getting pushed out, that their their legislative priorities um, and agenda, they would like to see at least have a voice in the whole thing. And so this is, you know, this happens before every speaker election, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or it's over on the Republican side, you got to herd the cats. But there are a lot of cats right now who don't want to get in line on the Republican side. And they want to, uh, you know, score some concessions before they say, yes, I'm going to show up and vote for McCarthy without a doubt. And this is that negotiation period. I mean, there's internal stuff that Republicans have to figure out, but they're doing it publicly. Uh, yeah, uh, possibly. Here is what Newt Gingrich said has to happen because he believes that Democrats are not going to change even if they lose both chambers. Cut 20. The biggest change in Washington will be when Nancy Pelosi handles that gavel over to Kevin McCarthy. You go from a radical liberal to a solid conservative. That is the biggest single change. And my sense from Biden's press conference yesterday he didn't get any of it. He has no idea what's going on. Uh, and uh, I think they're going to continue sound down the same disastrous road. Right now, he said nothing will change. He says he'll reach across the aisle. But as soon as the House goes Republican, what's going to change, Shannon? Well, the the House does have the power of the purse. So funding the government you know, getting money for things that you want to fund, whether it's climate change or keeping the government open, that stuff all has to go through the House. Listen, Republicans will have to stay together if they have specific legislative priorities, because you can't peel off, you know, three or four or five and then end up, um, you know, voting for the the Democrat policy or priority or blocking what Republicans are trying to do. So that's going to be tough for a speaker, whether it's McCarthy or someone else, um, just to keep everybody in line. Um, And that's the one piece of power Republicans will have if they take the House is the funding mechanism, and that powers the rest of Washington. Um, the President of the United States is speaking at the climate summit. Then he's going to have a one-on-one with President Xi. Here's what he says he's going to be doing with the President of China. Cut 35. I'm not, make, I'm not willing to make any fundamental concessions because what, I have, what I've told him in the beginning, I'm looking for competition, not, not, uh, not conflict. And so what I want to do with him when we talk is lay out what the what kind of each of our red lines are, understand what he believes to be in the critical national interest of China, what I know to be the critical interest of the United States, and determine whether or not they conflict with one another. Well, that'll go well. Uh, so we'll see what, what changes after that. We know with inflated dollars, we're actually cutting back on uh, the Pentagon budget and by giving Ukraine what I think they deserve, and that's the weapon systems. We're not replenishing. Is there concern uh, among those in the Pentagon? I mean, I, I think that the, the big conversation and concern to uh, on those fronts and on the foreign policy front is really focused on Ukraine. Is there going to continue to be a blank check? Um, I think that's another one of the showdowns that you'll see in the House and with the with the president um, and even within the parties. You know, how do they move forward on that? They're very concerned about China, Taiwan, that situation blowing up. Um, you know, the conservatives are very concerned about this president being out there talking about climate change and potentially trying to lock the U.S. into anything else that um, they're not sure that. China is going to play fair on, you know, the president may say he's about um, competition and, and not, you know, conflict, but I, I'm not sure that China is on the same page with him. That's it. Uh, they do have a vote. In terms of Ukraine, uh, Kyrgyzstan is being evacuated now. Mm-hmm. Some people think it's intentional to get a more defensible position because they could not hold off and hold on to that city. 
So it looks like Ukraine is on the march. A report today in the New York Times says Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is pushing for a uh, end to the war, and he wants uh, both sides to talk. He said the Russians are digging in like World War One, and it's going to just last a long time. Uh, General Keene thinks that's a huge mistake, uh, and when and the you know, the administration is going out of their way to make it not seem like Zelensky is being forced to do something he didn't want. Here's what Jack Keene said: Cut forty. The underlying arrogance of that is really disappointing. I know the chairman and I have a lot of respect for him. But the fact is, we're talking about what's driving Zelensky is the liberation of occupied territories the Russians holding on to. Why? Because they're raping their daughters, their mothers and their sisters. They're torturing their brothers and fathers and sons and killing them. And we're finding mass graves that war crimes have been committed as a result of it. Brian, they're moving hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians to Russia from those occupied territories and thousands of children on their own. This is what is driving Zelensky. He wants to liberate this. He wants to free his people. So I was shocked at Milley, who divorced himself from the Afghanistan disaster. I think unjustly he should have put his uh, his stars down and left, unless he was really a part of the decision making. And he's over just trying to cover his uh, cover up for that. Is there a sense in the Pentagon different from the White House, or or what do you hear? I don't know. Um, you know. There is that, you know, ongoing conversation and conflict about is Zelensky under pressure because now he's publicly saying, you know, something to the effect that, okay, we could um, have peace talks, but Russia's going to have to abandon everything that they've taken. Um, and, you know, he's he is at the mercy of these other countries who are providing weaponry, including the U.S. We're obviously the biggest funder and supporter and provider of Ukraine's um, defense in some ways now going on offense, like you mentioned, Kherson. So... It's very tricky because if it looks like he's publicly losing support of the United States in any way, which we constantly from the podium and what we hear from the White House is, no, we're, we would never. We're staying there until these people are free, until they're liberated, until Russia's out and it's over. There are a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations that go on that we don't know about. Some of that trickles out to us. Um, but you know what General Keene outlined is horrific, and you can imagine why the Ukrainian people – I mean, they have been – unbelievable in in fighting back and being willing to stand and die for their country and fight and claw for these territories. So the public conversation, I think, sometimes is not exactly what's going on in private. So the student loan forgiveness got shot down by a Texas district court. What's your Mm -hmm. take on that? Well, I mean, basically, they they said we have a separation of powers here, and when the executive branch decides that it's going to do something that should have been handled legislatively, um, I think the word they used was usurpation, like they've gone just way beyond the power that this judge thinks that the White House has. And this is something, too, like if it ends up at the Supreme Court, it'll be very interesting because even during the Obama years, there were a lot of rulings there that said the executive branch was going too far. I would imagine – just a you know educated guess. We don't know. It would depend on the specific case that comes to them. But I would think that the Supreme Court would tend to side with legislators and others who are arguing this is beyond the president's power. Um, like I said, we saw them do it with President Obama, with President Trump, and I think that they would probably, if it, depending on how the case is teed up, I think they would probably say the same thing to the Biden administration. Maybe a little bit more diplomatically than this judge in Texas said, but I think maybe get to the same result. Uh, Shannon, who's on this weekend? We've got Congressman Jim Banks. He is running for leadership there in the House. And and that gets to the whole Freedom Caucus, the internal politics of, you know, who's going to be running the party and who's going to listen to who. Um, I would tell you our Democrat, but I can't just yet. I should in 30 minutes or so. It'll be on social media. Got to lock that down. And we have one of the best election law attorneys in the country on standby as well in case Nevada or Arizona winds up in court. 
We got you covered. Go get them, Shannon. We're going to watch anyway, and we'll watch it, too, on Fox News Channel. Shannon Bream, thanks. When we come back, your calls. And then Sid Rosenberg on why New York is delivering the House in Washington. Don't move. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The kind of people who you hear down here saying they like DeSantis, it's not about inflation. It's about the fact that he didn't close the state during COVID. That is probably the strongest issue for him, that he let, you know, COVID kind of run wild here and, you know, let students and businesses um, go back to school and open up and not have math and that he was very, you know, definitive uh, on not wanting to stop COVID at all and had this very open and unrestrictive policy. That's the thing I think that's helped him with voters who care about that. Joy Reid, she, she just goes to show you how different we are. That's his greatest asset. Do you understand? People could stay in their house, make their own decision, unlike the governor here who is now fa- disgraced and out, and this new one is worse. Rob was on WHAO in Dayton. Hey, Rob. Hi, Brian. I just want to comment uh, and just remind people what Rush Limbaugh used to say about um, Trump. He, Trump. Rush used to say only Trump can beat Trump. And I just have to say after this uh, past weekend and Trump's comments, and it doesn't matter whether it was DeSantis or whoever, um, but doing this to a, to a fellow Republican, he, he Trump beat himself. I, he's lost my support. I, I did vote for him twice. I even voted for him in the primaries. Um, when he was running for president, I would have voted for him two more times, but not this time. He's he's lost my trust completely, and um, I just hope he moves on. I'm grateful for Trump that we had somebody like Trump, and um, but he just he's he can't win. There's just no way he could win with with his uh, his narcissism. Most um, people are saying what you're saying, and then you heard the guy blast me, and and he's allowed to. It's okay. Blast me in Los Angeles. Say I'm having too many people on that are fed up with Trump. Uh, like, uh, well, even Governor Huckabee was critical. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Sid Rosenberg's here. He's uh, the best, uh, the best morning show guy in the country. He's uh, with the number one 77 WABC. They're, car- they're kind enough to carry this show. You're listening probably on WABC right now if you're in the New York metropolitan area. And uh, Bernie and Sid in the morning. Bernie sadly passed away. Great friend of the show and the network. Sid's been uh, going at it by himself for a while. And Sid. First off, uh, I've never remember New York, even though everybody knows the size of the city and the impact. But New York has decided so much in this election. Yeah, it's true. And uh, it was a city in mourning uh, after the, the Lee Zeldin loss, even though, as you know, living on Long Island, they did very well out there. I mean, they ended up flipping four congressional seats, two of those on Long Island. So for the Republicans, it was actually a really good day that day. But Zeldin losing to Hochul, it felt like everybody in New York was in mourning, at least guys on my side of the, uh, of the aisle. Hochul said, I'm in no rush to address crime. I'm going to look at the analytics and the statistics. Are you crazy? So for those of you being tossed on the tracks today, victims of smash and grab today, we're going to get around to it. I got a big weekend plan. She also said during the debate, you may remember, why is this so important to you talking about crime? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe she said that, Brian. But look, 
at the end of the day, we could look for a million reasons why Zeldin lost. I've heard everything from, well, he aligned himself with Donald Trump. He didn't go to abortion quick enough. It's very simple. In this state, for every Republican, there's two to two and a half Democrats. It's virtually impossible. Don't bring up Pataki. That was 16 years ago. Many Republicans have left since. The number game will not work. You're not going to win as a Republican. Lee Zeldin did about the best job you could ever do. He ran a great campaign. But the number game gave Kathy Hochul the win. So Lee Zeldin, if he does not give these Republicans a reason to vote in New York, uh, there's no doubt about it. I think an extra 400,000 votes. That's in New York, in Long Island. As you know, now it's red. For a while, it was the longest time was Peter King. That was it. Now Peter King's in, with 77 WABC. Yeah. Now the whole town, the whole Long Island's red. And you know why? Lee Zeldin turned it red. He brought these guys, and that will deliver the house on such a close margin. That's right. I talked to him yesterday for 26 minutes. I said, did you take solace, Brian, to your point in the fact that you've turned Long Island red? Bruce Blakeman, Ann Donnelly in Nassau County, Anthony D'Esposito, George Santos, they win as well. He said, yes. He said, look, I, I know I lost, but I think in the big scheme of things, we did very, very well. Nice thing to say. Not sure he really felt that way, but he did say that, that he did take some solace in the fact that a lot of those Places now have turned red, much like uh, Ron DeSantis did down in Florida with Miami-Dade. That was a huge shock, by the way. Miami-Dade you know the, you goes know completely red, yes. So where did you work in Florida? I worked in Miami-Dade. So what was it like? Just describe it for people that only see stats. It was hugely Democrat, hugely. Uh, I was down by Ives Dairy Road, down by Miami. I never would have thought in a million years you could turn that red. Why do you think it did? I think that people down there, much like most places, have had enough. And when you combine the one-two punch of Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio in that area, that is a very formidable one-two punch. You don't need this, but most people did. Hispanics are not homogenous. Cubans, much different, running from communism, really appreciate this country. Now Venezuelans, running from oppression, really appreciate this country. But then he said he got the majority of non, uh, non-Cuban vote, so the Puerto Rican vote. I believe that's true, too. And also, don't forget all of the New Yorkers that were Republicans that moved out of this state because they couldn't take it anymore because of, you know, Democrat leadership, whether it was de Blasio and Eric Adams or, or Hochul and Cuomo. They went down there and they're voting Republican. If we had those people still in New York, Brian Kilmeade, he would have won. So Sid Rosenberg here of WABC, uh, the voice of New York, really. So there's another some infighting going on on the other side. So this guy, Sean Patrick Maloney, is considered a star and a leader on the left, and he lost. He lost, and he also leads. It's humiliating for the party. He was chairman of the Democratic uh, congressional camp, uh, campaign, and he came out, and he blamed Kathy Hochul's poor performance at the top of the ticket, and then she blamed AOC. Uh, he said AOC really did nothing, didn't pay a dollar in dues, didn't do anything for the frontline candidates except give them money when they didn't want it from her. There are other voices who should have been heard, especially with the suburban voters have clearly rejected the ideas that she's most associated with. Well, listen. How, how unique is that, by the way? You never see something like this. Never. Not with the Democrats. You're right. This is new. And uh, Mike Lawler is the guy, of course, that beat Sean Patrick Maloney. He's the guy that a couple of days ago said, hey, listen, if inflation's bothering you, don't be afraid to have a can of Chef Boyardi Ravioli, which is very insensitive. But um, you're right. You don't see that amongst the Democrats. Republicans, yes, especially with our friend Donald Trump. He's got to calm down. But now we're seeing that whole right. splinter effect with Democrats. And it's nice to see, to be honest. Well, I'll put it this way. <laughs> Do you believe Ravioli? always should ever be in a can. Never, never. Right. And but I will tell you, as a kid, my mother saw me that sense. often. Yeah, it was, it was delicious. Right. But when they tell, when you're forced to eat it because you have nothing else, right, exactly. it's like right. stop enjoying yourself, grab that can of ravioli, and be quiet in the corner. You know, and, and you could bring that camping. Yes. You could. That yes, many people can. think of ravioli as a yes. place to. I actually took it to a yeshiva. Well, I was supposed to go 
kosher food. I went to yeshiva. And my mom would pack it in my thermos so they wouldn't check it. But I actually had unkosher ravioli in yeshiva in high school. Really? I was a rebel back then, Brian. Is there video or any type <laughs> oh, of Did you have a Kodak? Did you go to the Kodak place and get that film developed? They've got it. If it gets out, I'm finished. All right, Sid, we got to move on. And before I move on and talk national about uh, President Trump, I want to talk about Eric Adams. Now, I had a chance to meet him at that Al Smith dinner, and I don't think he knows who the hell I am. But I did introduce myself, and he didn't run away. And then he said, he said, we should talk. But you went further than that. You did talk. You had lunch with Eric Adams. No, and better. Even better. Dinner. Dinner. Not Chef, not chef Boyer. Dinner. No, 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 no. Me, my wife, Danielle, Mayor Eric Adams, at a very famous Brooklyn Italian restaurant. You wanted to be seen. I wanted to be seen. <laughs> and I was seen. And it happened just last and night. And you've been very critical of him. Extremely critical. And you were critical of me for saying I'm giving him a chance. I was angry with you, yes. Right. I almost don't talk to you anymore. <laughs> right. But we did. <laughs> no, no, it no, didn't, didn't last night. But I told him that before we even sat down. And last night during dinner, I laid out the 10 different things that bother me about him. And I must tell you, Brian, he was respectful. He answered my questions uh, pretty quickly. I liked what he had to say. We're going to do it again. And now I'm putting together. This is huge. Now, folks, you heard it here first, or well, second, actually, and Eric Adams' Rudy Giuliani dinner, because those two are constantly sniping at each other. Rudy, for the most part, can't stand him, but Rudy agreed on my show this morning to sit with the mayor, give him his advice on how to fix the city's crime issue. So now well, it's like I brokered a Rudy Giuliani-Eric Adams lunch or dinner. S- Sid Rosenberg, activist. Yes. You're an activist. It's, it's like, it's You're like not a commentator. Arab Emirates tr- tr- Treaty. I'm basically right now with Giuliani and Adams. You are, and you are, you would be Carter. Yeah. Uh, you're Jimmy Carter. That's right. You don't, you, are you happy being Jimmy Carter? Not really. I was okay. going to there. And more Sadat <laughs> Menachem Begin. Do you remember that? I'll take Menachem Begin. All right, good. He's Israeli. Of course, I'm Jewish. Right, so there I'm you go. I'm a power broker now, Brian. That's I'm why you could deal. never broker a deal because they would say you're biased about it. So, but by the way, that's what Trump did. He did the Abraham Accords. Doesn't matter. That's right. So, he Eric did. Adams said this yesterday in a press conference. He said, I use the acronym ICE, Inflation, Crime, and the Economy. And he said that Democrats have done a terrible job ignoring it. The people are upset about it. Why don't you address it? Now, can you tell me, does he mean that? Because he's going to go up to Albany, but he was humiliated last time he went up to Albany by his own party. He was. But don't forget, as I'll tell you, that crime is not the only issue in New York, right? So he needs Stuart Cousins and Heasty and those people Who's to that? give him money for other things. Who's that? They're legislators up in Albany, okay? okay. That's, the, that's pretty much the line you've got to beat to get them to change all these, the legislature for bail reform. So he, he can't go out there and just bash their brains in because he needs them for other monies. But believe me when I tell you, he does mean it. He wants to fix the crime issue. He really does. And I don't think he likes a lot of these Democrats. I really don't think he does. In fact, at one point during dinner last night, I go, are you sure you're a Democrat? And he said, not really. I'm a pragmatic pragmatic politician. I'm a common sense guy. I want things to work. Well, that's true. His words. But where's his police commissioner? Is that intentional? He wants the limelight. His police commissioner is invisible. (laughs) We knew Ray Kelly. We knew Bill Bratton. Yeah. She's in Puerto Rico, actually, I think, right now. Why is that? What? I, I, don't I guess she know. needs a vacation. I, and not only that, but he is he was a cop for 20-plus years. He wants to be that face. I'm not sure it's done purposely, but you're right. It does seem like that's the case. So did you ask Eric Adams if you could stay in the Randall's Island Hotel? 
I did Penn ask City. him that. Yes. And yes. do you know he's charged us three hundred million dollars? Was it three hundred thousand or three hundred million? Three hundred million, I believe. Yes, it was. Uh, yes. to set yeah. up and yeah. then re- take it down and then yeah. set it up on Randall's Island. Yeah. Maybe you should tell everybody at home what happened to that. <laughs> well, I will tell you this: that the Xbox wasn't working a couple of days ago, so I've decided so not to go So you decided not to go there, yeah. and your wife said you can go home I'm again. Go to the Bahamas. So instead. you don't have to sleep with six hundred guys in a cot. <laughs> don't laugh. I thought about selling my house in Queens and moving into that looks, place. You get a menu every day. You get your laundry right. done and no mortgage payments. How so do you beat that? So guess what? The new place is they're taking down the Randall's Island Tent City. I know. Because they couldn't get enough people there. Do they know the buses are going to keep coming? Do they know that we have not solved the border problem? What's what's the deal? I did say to him, for all the blame you put on uh, Governor Abbott in Texas and DeSantis in Florida, Eric, you know, of course, that way before one person arrived on a bus from Texas, we had overnight flights to Stewart Airport in upstate New York. What is he saying Westchester. What does he say to that? I know. So, Sid, Sid, here's the thing. If you really want to be a politician and want to be successful and you really want Republicans to pay attention, you go to Stewart Airport. I saw what happened. We got 750 people there. You know, I'm upset about Port Authority, but I'm also set up there. You know, the president knows how to reach me, and he didn't call me. And now I have to deal with this. And it's not fair to my the kids in school that now have seven other kids that are going to get all the attention because they don't speak English, and some of them don't even speak Spanish. Then all of a sudden people go, who is that mayor in New York? Yeah, but then all those Democrats run away from him like he's got the plague. So he's got to be careful because while you're right, he'll make people like me and you happy at that point. He'll destroy his base. They'll be furious. So it's a very it's, – it's a tight line these guys have to walk to try to make sure their constituents are happy and at the same time not anger people like you and I. And Eric worries about that. That's why people don't like him because he spends a lot of time trying to appease both sides. And when you do that, sometimes you appease nobody. How much does he work out? He's in very he's good, in shape, good shape. Very type out. Yeah, he, he sat at dinner last night and goes, "Oh my God, look at you!" I said, "Oh my God, look at you." Two my men, wife was like, "You guys want a room?" <laughs> right. Two, two men looking at each other yes. and admiring each other's bodies. Yes, he's sixty-two years old. He works out five days a week. He's a little smaller than I am, but he's pretty big. What do you mean by that? His arms are. But does well, he do have better I'm definition? Um, no, 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 no. Nobody does. Not even Stallone was here this morning with you. Right. And how jealous <laughs> no, are you? Sly of that? looks pretty good, right? Yeah. Sylvester so Stallone, I, Tulsa, Tulsa King, pretty good. Can't wait to see that. So what I did, and I think you be, you should really follow my footsteps on this if you're not there already. <laughs> okay. What I did is, being that it's hard to be at Fox and to be able to get speaking situations, because it's like, ah, oh, Brian, that's a conflict. That's a conflict. And what if they go? You know, if uh, you were in a bank, next thing you know, that bank is involved in a scandal. Well, Brian Kilmey was the keynote speaker there. So, so I just set up a, a situation where I get a theater. I'm able to go up. Pat O'Rourke, the outstanding stand-up comedian, will open up. Wow. And I'll talk about all my books, talk about the sports, my background, how I got here, open it up to questions at the end. So I'm going to be in uh, – are you going to be in Mississippi this weekend? Oh, with you? Right. Absolutely. Brandon, I made my flight this morning. Brandon, well, that's not true, but I appreciate yeah, you playing yeah, along. Yeah. Brandon, Mississippi, Saturday. Oh, um, how could I miss that? And then I'm going to Tulsa, <laughs> Tulsa Oklahoma. Oh, that's oh, Tulsa King? Yeah. And, and to, right before in the same theater for the people of Tulsa, they're getting a private screener, and then I follow up. So I got a personal message from Sylvester Stallone to the people in that theater. That's almost Sid Rosenberg Enterprising. That is huge. Right. You, you can, it was, it's almost like Kelly Ripper holding up my new book, which she did with Ryan Seacrest on her show two true? weeks ago. 100% true. Do you know her? Don't know her at all. She and came on my show to promote her new book, and I said, funny, I got a book out too. She goes, drop off the book, and I will show it to my audience on Monday. I said, you're not going to do that. She goes, Sydney, trust me. Showing up Monday morning, the show starts, her and Ryan, book is right in front of her, holds it up, Sid Rosenberg, new book, Citizens United, go buy it. Now, she had no idea what was in the book. 
Right. When she did afterwards, she had a heart attack. I'm praising <laughs> Donald Trump. Of, I've got... <laughs> yeah. A lot of anti-Ripper stuff. There's Ryan a whole chapter Seacrest, against Ryan Seacrest actually sat back and rolled his eyes. Like, he knew exactly who I was. He and did. He's like, Kelly, you know what you're doing right now? You want to stop? Because Joy Behar is going to be very, very upset. Right. <laughs> well, she wakes up upset. Let's be honest. Oh, that's But the only thing, Sid, to help me out, this to show you're not used to having a partner, you just go, where do we get tickets? Where do we get tickets? <laughs> BrianKillMe.com. Thanks for playing. We, I should have said you're that. You're going to get right. that in a break. You're, you're right. in trouble. <laughs> Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Oh, I think he should go away. I'm being perfectly honest here. I mean, I think he lost us the election in 2020. Uh, how do you lose to Joe Biden? I don't mean to be hypercritical, but here's a guy who was in the basement who people had grave doubts about, and he lost. And then he goes and loses us the two Senate races in Georgia uh, by claiming that the George- Georgians shouldn't vote because the system is rigged. Uh, and and then this year, I think, I know, in New York, uh, Hochul's campaign ran ads every day linking Zeldin to Trump. And that hurt him a great deal. So I think we have a tremendous opportunity going forward. Donald Trump should not be a part of that. He has hurt the party to date. And if he decides to run and gets out there, I hope Ron DeSantis, to be perfectly honest, runs against him. And I think he would blow him away. Your thought, uh, Sid Rosenberg for WABC? I love George Pataki. I do. I love him. The last Republican governor to win here in New York. He's out of his mind. Could you see Ron DeSantis beating Donald Trump in Iowa, in South Carolina, in Wisconsin? He'll get blown out. Sid, look, look, Sid, right now really Donald Trump will kill all. Right now Donald Trump would do to Ron DeSantis what Mike Tyson did to Michael Spinks. 30 seconds, it's over. It's great to win Florida. He was very impressive. Charlie Chris, by the way, is not much of a candidate. Fantastic. He's on the rise. Maybe a year from now that changes. But if tomorrow Trump ran against DeSantis, it would be a bloodbath. Trump wins easy. Easy. Everybody's got to calm down, slow down. I know Donald is starting to say some really stupid things, going after DeSantis, Youngkin, all these things. These are self-inflicted wounds. But right now, don't kid yourself, he's our best shot in our party to win. It's not even close. Not even close. To win against who? Anybody. I don't, I don't care if it's DeSantis. Outside of Michelle Obama, no one's beating Donald Trump in this country today. I'm torn. On either side. Well, I'm torn because I like him, but I, I can't defend his attacking on Ron DeSantis so for don't, no reason. Don't defend and, and him. And also on Yunkin. Don't uh, defend him, but that right. doesn't mean he's not going to win. But do you think that he right now is more popular than Governor DeSantis if right now every Republican voted? Oh, it's not even close. Not even close. I mean, he'll destroy You him. realize Ted Cruz beat him in Iowa, and then he I, won in I, I New Hampshire. Know that. Yes, I do know that. So, so do you think that it's – would you support – if Donald, said, uh, Donald Trump called up Sid Rosenberg yeah, and said he, Sid. Which he may. Would you have him on? Uh, I have him on. Right. I speak to his son all the time, Kimberly Guilfoyle all the time. Go ahead. If he said to you, should I announce on Tuesday, what would you say? Go for it. Let's go. Let's go. I've already moved on to 2024 anyway. My guy Lee Zeldin lost. New York did okay overall. Oh, and I got to wait till Herschel Walker. Thank you. So Herschel's got to win on Tuesday. By the way, the fact that my former Jersey Generals, Georgia Bulldog, Viking running back, has the hands of the Senate in his hands is somewhere between scary and pathetic. I like Herschel as a football player. I'm not sold as a politician. It's a little scary. I know you like him. You hang out together, blah, blah, blah. He is not exactly politician uh, merchandise. Can you can you not characterize my future comments as blah blah blah? 
I mean, I have not even weighed well, in yet. And, I mean, you you said, probably, and you said, whatever you're, you're going to say, well, it's because you hang out with the guy. You're at the diner. You're in Atlanta. You're, and I, you know, he's a good football player. But the fact that the Senate hangs in his hands is ridiculous. Let's be honest. Do you, do you understand that his, what a businessman he's been for the last 25 years? Get out of here. Just stop it. I'm begging you to stop it. What? I mean, businessman's you, based on his football acumen. That's what he does. So, yes, he, he's, he, how I, do you, he does chicken. <laughs> I mean, he does chicken. He cut deals for chicken. Yes. Dude. I mean, come on. Look, I need him to win. I need him to win. We need to get the Senate. We're going to get the House. And then, yes, right after that, Donald Trump announces he's running. We move to 2024. Somebody gets to Trump. I don't care who it is. Calms him down just a little bit. And then our best chance to win again, unless Michelle Obama runs, far and away, Donald Trump. By the way, I have never been worried about Michelle Obama. She cannot stand it to scrutiny. She's popular because she doesn't make any decisions. Okay. She's got, as an idea, yeah, you know, as an idea. But as soon as she has to make decisions or say something, she she's to the to the left of her husband. She is, but her husband is still very very popular, and uh, she won't make decisions until it's time to debate or do something as serious as that. It sounds like you want to work on her campaign. I do. I want I want a job with Michelle Obama. Yes, right. I'm and quitting WABC tomorrow. I'm going to work for Michelle Obama, <laughs> even though she's not running. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to get her to go. Will you work in her garden? She's very good at garden. She uh, had the I, garden going at the I, White House. Yeah, I'm not a big garden guy. No, but I want right. to work for Trump actually. But he won't hire me. So One Nation. Yeah. Herschel Walker's going to be on. I'll tell him you said you said, <laughs> no, said he's hi. Not. Is he really? Yes. Uh, Phil Knight's going to be on from Nike. Oh, good. Get rid of Kyrie. Irving, enough of that. Uh, Don Sokol's going to be on. He oh used to run Warren Buffett's group. I know. You what know, a show. It's going to be good. And Governor Sununu. I love that guy, too. By the way, that show was great, your show on Saturday. Thank you, especially when you're on. That's the best. That's the best. Yeah, Every week I should be on. <laughs>